Stephen Byrne on 2FM. If last week's gig with James Vincent McMorrow in Ivy Gardens was a sign of hope, I think this week <laughs> was the saviour. The announcement that Electric Picnic might be happening, I believe, three weeks after it usually does, uh, was a big boost for everybody online this week as we slowly get back to a new sense of normal but uh, anyway I hope everybody had a great week whatever you got up to and a great weekend as well we had a great weekend on the show and that's why we're here to round up everything that happened uh, over the course of the weekend on the show you can catch us every Saturday and Sunday from 3 to 5pm we talk to movie stars musicians and everything else in between and just try and get you through the day with as many tunes as possible so make sure you do tune in live if you haven't before Anyway, let's kick it off with our first interview. On Saturday, we spoke to the legend that is James Brolin, a.k.a. Mr. Barbara Streisand, all about narrating the brand new Netflix show, which is number one on the platform. It's called Sweet Tooth. James, why this role? Why a narrator role? What made you want to get um, involved with this show? Nobody ever gave me a job. I've, I've applied for jobs as narrator many times. Well, you know, I, I for, let's say, different products and things. There's a whole side business that uh, many actors uh, who didn't want to be seen doing it, uh, you know, would do it in Japan, like, you know, and do some ads <laughs> in Japan where they're, you know, they love their stars and American stars. And... Um, Anyway, this was, uh, in a sense, an assignment from a friend, Robert Robert Downey. I've known for years. I had uh, had a lunch with him, and he and Susan, his wife, both said, "Jim's the only guy that can do this." And I, I kind of, why me? You know, uh, but would be interesting to get into the vocalizing business, since. Um, I did become aware of it several, you know, quite a few years ago. And uh, I, I, in other words, what I'm saying is I look at some of my early work and, you know, there was just no, there is just, <laughs> it wasn't that high, but there was no uh, thought about vocal, yeah. you know? Mm-hmm. And it wasn't until I played Clark Gable and Gable and Lombard that I thought, oh, let me, let me work on this a little bit. And then later with Reagan. And then I began to go, oh boy, this is, this, this vocal thing is a great tool for an actor. Because I remember in an early workshop I was in where they said, uh, Jim, um, we know you're feeling things, but unless you put it on the outside, the camera can't read it. You know? <laughs> It was yeah, a nice yeah. way of insulting me, but they they were dead right, you know. <laughs> and um, and the voices, especially your your major tool. If you read uh, Stanislavski's Building a Character, you tune yourself like a violin, and then just open your mind and let all of these, um, you know things you've worked hard on that you can dismiss and deliver it for you. Like you, you have such an iconic voice. Uh, it's so recognizable. And the second it comes into the show, it just feels safe. You just you just make the viewer feel incredibly safe throughout. So nice because, uh, because it is, it's a discovery for me too. So that's so nice <laughs> that you say that. Not everybody, they said, oh, I saw that. You're pretty good. But that's really nice to hear you say, um, uh, some detail that's a little deeper than most. <laughs> <laughs> um, how did you record this? Because it was in the midst of the pandemic and um, obviously we weren't allowed totally out into the real world. Did you do it at home? Did you do it um, in, in the Warner Studios, in the Netflix studios? Where did you record it? And um, did it take a, a number of takes in that regard as well if you were doing it you know, from afar and, and not doing it with the full crew? And, Good um, question. Because of COVID, 
I was, you know, Warner Brothers has the best sound department in town. I mean, it's it's a beautiful building, beautiful equipment, great guys, but uh, nobody was allowed to go there, you know. So they developed the, you know, the Pelican case is it's, uh, mm-hmm. you know, uh, it's about three by three by a foot and a half, and it comes here with a big tripod with two inch legs, and you set it up, and it's, you know, up about, you know. Here, when you open up the door and there's a screen in there where they can send you uh, everything that you're vocalizing to, they can show you the parts parts of the film that they want. And then there's a Neumann mic, the best mic, and then you plug it into your Ethernet, put the headphones, and you're talking to the guys at Warner's like you're standing there in the room, you know. Uh, I did eight sessions here at the house with that unit. And the minute I'd finish, a guy would come by and and folded up and and otherwise i was all alone you know except for the ethernet connection um so it's kind of amazing and i i would know that they'd say oh you know this will be this will be about uh, two hours and and it ended up four hours and i'd be completely in a sweat you know because <laughs> we'd work it many many ways and then i'd throw them ideas and they go no no and I, I must say, I, I said this before, it's probably quite rude, but I, I felt in, I know what takes, and I was struggling in the first show a little bit, trying to understand what they wanted. But I know, um, uh, and being a director, and kind of knowing now, and having directed myself, and having been trained by kind of Eastwood, you know, he's a friend, um, I know what takes i would have used yeah. and i thought they were a little disjointed in the pilot but then by the third show they started getting and i i started saying oh it sounds pretty good you know for a beginner you know <laughs> you're not a beginner man you're not a beginner at all i mean did you see the show beforehand how does that work do they do they play it out to you or is oh, it just the pieces i was narrating you know and they yeah. might show me a little more but they would they didn't want me to you know blab about what the heck was you know uh, the, the, you know this publicity uh, junkets and all of the work they're doing to publicize is they've been planning for a long time so i think they uh, uh not only warner brothers netflix uh, but the downies thought they had something special from the get-go who'd have thought that in 24 hours it's number one i never heard of that but there you go um, yeah, number well, it's number one on Netflix at the moment, and and has been since it was released, which is incredible. Um, finally, if you could become an animal hybrid, what animal would you fuse yourself with? Oh, that's a good question. You know, I could say a black leopard, <clears throat> but they're so mean. Uh, <laughs> I have a I have a stunt uh, no an animal friend uh, that has a bear that is so um fun and 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 i'm talking about a grizzly this is a nine footer when he's on his nine but that's kind of interesting but it very unpredictable i have another friend who's now a director who started out as a movie animal trainer who i have a picture somewhere of uh an african full 400 pound african lion with his Little girl watching television together. She's draped over the top of it. That looks kind of kind, and I'm sure that was a very good land. But probably it would be uh, one of those grayback gorillas. 
because I like the way they kind of sit on their haunches and spend the day looking at their hands and having a fat tummy and you know, <laughs> that's kind, that would kind of feel good. James, thank you so much for having a chat with us. Very much appreciated. I want James to narrate absolutely everything I do in life. What a voice. And he just gives this safe feeling throughout the entire series. Do check it out. Like I said, it's on Netflix right now. It's called Sweet Tooth, an amazing series about a virus, which they all seem to be about now, um, that has wiped out most of the Earth's population, but has left the rest of them as animal hybrids. What would you choose? Anyway, Cynthia Revo. She has taken on the iconic role of Aretha Franklin in a brand new series, Genius on Disney+. Plus. Go check it out. It's an incredible performance from someone with one of the best voices in the entire world. Oscar nominee, <laughs> RuPaul's Drag Race uh, judge as well. She's a superstar and she's also a gorgeous human being. Cynthia, did, did Aretha give you, you know, confidence? I know she wasn't necessarily the most confident person in her personal life, um, but on stage, she was one of the most confident people you could get. Uh, so did she instill any confidence in you in, in playing her in this role? Um, what? Actually, Aretha from time to time was uh, quite shy. So, the, but she had to overcome a lot of that to become confident, and ended up becoming confident in the in the work that she was doing, which I think ended up becoming outwardly confident. And I think for me, it's allowed me to really uh, believe in the work that I'm able to put forward, believe in the talent that I have in order to put good work forward. Uh, she also was a really wonderful businesswoman and, and put her foot down when it came to being a part of the work that she created and being credited in the right way. And so I think it sort of instilled some confidence in me to be able to do that too and, and ask for the things that I feel that I deserve. And you deserve so much. Um, when it comes to it, I mean, you, you've played real people in the past, but you've also played um, a number of non-fictional characters, as you do as an actor. Uh, what do you prefer? Where does the line kind of go for you? And um, I think both have uh, really lovely qualities. One, where you're imagining and creating something from scratch. Um, you're sort of introducing yourself to a new person. Um, but then the to put to portray a real person getting to know them is really fun getting to find out what what makes them tick what makes them vulnerable what what they want uh, is kind of like learning a person from scratch again so both have great qualities i wouldn't pick between the two uh, both have their own challenges and their and their and their greatnesses do you remember the first time you ever heard aretha franklin and, and her music and um so the first time i heard aretha franklin i was in my mom's car we were on the way to school i think it was about 9 or 10 years old and i think it was think the song Think was playing and I there's something about her voice that sort of made me perk up and I was I could hear mm. this voice that I'd never really heard before yeah. and then later on on that drive I heard her sing with Annie Lennox her sisters are doing it for themselves I just felt like there's just something really powerful about a woman who is able to do these two types of songs and still really connect with me at this young age um, and then getting to know her music i fell in love with a song called ain't no way um which i do at some of my concerts um just because there's a connectivity in love songs like that that speak about the pain of trying mm -hmm. to be the the partner that you want to be for your the partner that you're with um i i just think that there is a way in which she connects to people's experiences in the world um, um yeah and that's why that's why um, i love her <laughs> we all do and 
Did anything, I guess, surprise you about her in in, in the research that you did and, and what you found out about her? Yeah, a couple of aspects. My the first aspect is probably. Uh, I mean, I, I knew but didn't know how in depth this was. It was her work uh, with civil rights. I didn't know that she had a, a close relationship with Dr. Martin Luther King, and and I didn't know how much um, she was working with him to to. Uh, to help with the civil rights movement. And I think it's really important to know about that because I don't know that people realize that she used her music uh, in order to, to help that movement. And on top of which, I think her as a mother raising three children and being Aretha that we know is an incredible feat. And I don't think people um, marry those two things together. She was doing that at the same time, mm -hmm. both raising a family and being the person that we know and love. And I think that's an incredible thing to acknowledge. I, as well. I, I mentioned it there. You are so accomplished. You are nearly, you know, at an egot. Um, but do you still get nerves taking on a character like this? Are there still moments where you're like, can I do this? Or I mean, at, at the initial conversation, I, I just because I didn't even know it was a question at first. I didn't know it was happening. I, I was minding my business, and I was I my a video of me singing on a red carpet was sent to someone and they said oh this girl might be right for it so mm. that happening and not really even knowing that it was a possibility sort of shakes you a little bit i think whenever i take a role on there is always a oh can i do this am i going to get to do this in the right way um and i think that's partially why i i do it i think if i would if i if everything came to me with ease um it would be very boring indeed and i think when <laughs> i have, when I, when there's a little bit of risk it probably means that I'm leaning in the right direction. Stephen Byrne on 2FM.